The following ad is sponsored by Pets Best Insurance Services. Pets come into our lives in many ways. Shelters, breeders, or unexpected encounters. But no matter how you found your pet, they become our perfect match. Unfortunately, finding the right pet insurance plan can be hard. That's where Pets Best comes in. With a little information about you and your pet, Pets Best will recommend a plan that meets your needs and budget. Visit PetsBest.com to learn more today. Your perfect pet deserves the perfect coverage. PetsBest.com. Looking for hair removal tools that not only deliver smooth results, but also make you feel totally in control? Enter Conair Girlbomb. They're like your secret weapons for smooth, sleek results. Made just for us. From the ultimate Girlbomb grip to the professional-grade blades, say goodbye to settling for less. With Conair Girlbomb, you get the precision and power that used to only be exclusive to men's tools. So take your hair removal routine to the next level. With Conair Girlbomb, available at Walgreens. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Welcome to the Golf Fitness Bomb Squad podcast with Chris Finn, a production of P4S Golf. Welcome to the Golf Fitness Bomb Squad. My name is Chris, and I have a uh, legendary guest with me, at least that I would consider legendary. Uh, one of the probably most uh, you know, decorated, well-renowned coaches you know, that, that I've gotten the, the pleasure to, to chat with, uh, Mr. Chuck Cook. Uh, Chuck, welcome to the show. It, it is, an, like I said before we were talking off air, just an honor to have you and, and, you know, and, and to be able to pick your brain and, and have you here for a little bit. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. So, uh, and so just to give people background for, for those of you listening who don't know Chuck, um, if you have been living under a rock. Um, so 1996, PJ uh, America Teacher of the Year. Uh, you've coached a few champions, it sounds like, Chuck. I think you had uh, Duffner, I think it was 13. I think you had Keegan Bradley in 11. And then you had the USO. You had, I think you had a couple of US Open champions too, right? I believe it was uh, Payne. Uh, Tom Kite, I think, was 92, maybe, and then like Pavin, 95. So you've, you've coached some pretty good players. You've got a pretty uh, pretty impressive resume. I don't know if I got those years right, but did, and did I miss anybody? <laughs> uh, girls. I had a couple of girls that wanted to. But, uh, no, they, I've been lucky uh, in my student selection. Uh, I've been able <laughs> to pick some really good players, and they played well, thank goodness. And uh, – so it was, uh, uh, it's been a big career. Yeah. You know? And I think one of the, the things that's, you know, obviously being working with those caliber players and, and seeing the results that they've had is incredibly Im- impressive. You know, you, you mentioned a couple other, other women, they could, uh, um, you know, Heather Bowie, I think she was NCAA champion. It was late nineties, I believe. Was that right? She was in 97 and then. Uh, Virginia Carta was in 2018, and then a couple of others. Uh, the one NCAA championship, Charlotta Sorenstam, when she played yeah. for Texas, and then uh, also Paige Dunlap uh, played for Florida. We were there when she won the NCAA. 
Awesome. Uh, yeah, those girls were, were really, really good. Yeah, and, and I think one of the one of the things that was, that's most one of the reasons when I was most excited that you're able to come on the show is not only are you a amazing coach, but you know what something kind of near and dear to my heart is is the the coaching of the coaches. And you know, you've obviously you've written um, at least one book um, or two books, I believe, right? And then you know, you've been at Golf Digest, and you're definitely you know when I talk to a lot of the, the professionals around you know, around here and that, that I'm friendly with on a, you know, on a weekly basis. And, um, you know, your name has come up more than, more than once to say the least. So I, I think that's, that's one of the things that I'm excited to, um, to chat about and get as we dive into the show today too, is, is that experience that you've had teaching and, and what you've seen helping teachers help other students too. Yeah. Well, I've, I've always enjoyed doing teaching seminars and, uh, I, it helped me with my career when I got started, I got started in 1976. So, uh, PGA workshops, Gary Wyron was the director of instruction for the PGA and he was very advanced and, uh, he really motivated me to continue on in my career in golf business. And, uh, and, and so I always uh, had more points than anybody else for attending these workshops while I was learning. <laughs> and then uh, after that, I started doing a lot of the teaching seminars as well for the PGA. And uh, actually, I've taught in 41 countries. Uh, wow. That's and amazing. so it's, uh, uh, I, I've enjoyed that part of it. You, you know, you, you most of the time you learn more than you give, but it's it's fun to be fun to be with other pros and, and, and chat about golf. Oh, for sure. Yeah. My, my goal, whenever I, you know, any day, any room at, you know, here at P4S golf or any conference I go do is, uh, is to try to be the dumbest one in the room. And for me, that's usually not very hard, but, uh, it's very, very exciting when, uh, when I'm able to, you know, you know, hang out with people and learn from people who've, who've done more. And, um, you know, and on that note, you know, from, you know, your, your career has spanned so many decades, like, like take us back to the beginning, Chuck, how did you even get into this? And, you know, then kind of, you know, how do you go? And I think a lot of, I hear from a lot of the people we work with, like, Hey, who should we go work with? Right. From, you know, from an instructor, instructional standpoint, you know, how does somebody go from, you know, like, I'm very curious and would love you to share kind of your story, how you got into to the teaching profession, but then how do you go from just being a, you know, a, a teacher to, being the, the caliber teacher that, that you've become and, and working with, you know, champions at the highest of high levels. And, and, and what, sh what are the types of things that, you know, listeners should be looking for in an instructor? You know, if we can kind of big question, but cover all of that, you know, in terms of, you know, from the genesis of your career through what you've done and, and what should people look for as they're, you know, looking to find people that maybe mirror kind of a similar journey as you've had. Well, I was, I've been fortunate. I've had so many outstanding mentors uh, in career. I started as an assistant pro. Uh, I tried to qualify, so I said, well, I got to learn more to make myself a better player. And in the meantime, I found out I liked the I started teaching, and I enjoyed that a lot. And so I was assistant pro teaching and had uh, early on and uh, you know just how your career takes and, uh, I was teaching at uh, Highland Country Club in Indianapolis Indiana uh, in the and uh, we had a, a 
a girl came in, a lady came in and asked me to help her with her putting. Well, I helped her. I told her I didn't know what I was doing. I just told her what I did. When I <laughs> and uh, she went out and won the Indianapolis Amateur. Wow. The girl, the English. And uh, she was telling everybody what a great job I did with her. And I didn't know anything. And uh, so I was getting... Uh, you know, a lot of lessons from good players, and I enjoyed that part of it as well. And then uh, I went to work as an assistant pro in Evansville, Indiana. Mm -hmm. During the winter, we was, it was snowy and cold. You couldn't teach uh, at all. And so I, uh, Golf Digest was doing golf schools, mm -hmm. mostly down in Florida at the time. And so I called them and asked them if I could come and observe them. Mm -hmm. and and they said, well, we'll just put you to work, you know, so they are. <laughs> That's awesome. You can come down, you can move bags, pick up balls, uh, you know, do that sort of thing, be a range assistant. Uh, mm -hmm. And that, and I got to, you know, watching these guys, great teachers teach, uh, Toski Flick, uh, Paul Runyon, John Jacobs, Peter Costas, Davis Love Jr. Uh, you know, so I had this huge list of, teachers and I was uh, really interested in it. And, uh, and, you know, I would teach for them while they were teaching so I could listen to what they were saying and so forth. And, uh, then the next year they made me what's called an assistant, uh, director. And that was taking care of the logistics of the school, mm -hmm. uh, hiring the range assistants, uh, getting the rooms for the participants and so forth and sort of blossom from there. And then, um, Goff Digest was hired uh, to establish a teaching program for an academy that was being built in Austin. Uh, called the, it was called the Academy of Golf uh, at Lakeway. And so Goff Digest just sent me that and, uh, so I could do whatever I wanted. And it was a phenomenal facility. It was probably the best facility in the world at the time. We had three practice holes covered hitting, classrooms, uh, all that sort of stuff. This was 1980. And uh, so I decided I wanted to uh, deal with fact and not on theory. Uh, so mm -hmm. I, hired, I hired a bunch of uh, uh, people in different fields to work with us. So I hired Ralph Mann as a biomechanical engineer. I hired uh, Dick Coop as a uh, educational psychologist to teach us how to teach. Mm -hmm. uh, I hired Al Neal, who was the strength coach for the 49ers yeah. at the time. Uh, then I hired Dave Pelts to do our short game. And so we had this. That's a pretty uh, strong team there, Chuck. <laughs> that was a strong team. You know, Ralph at the time was a biomechanical engineer, but he hadn't done golf. So we really got him going and yeah. he was a track and field guy. And, uh, and it was funny because the, I know this is a fitness show. And so we had Al there. I don't know mm -hmm. if you know Al. I know Al well, yeah. He's a, he's a beauty. So anyway, uh, we set golf and fit back a few years when he was there. Cause we said, Oh, we don't want any hard bodies, whatever, you know, we want to be soft so we can be flexible. Yep. And the only exercise we want to see people do is where they roll up newspapers in their fist. And so they build real strong forearms so they can use their hands to play golf. Yep. And so that was the, that was the thinking back then. Uh, 
and owls going, well, that makes golf different than any other sport (laughs) (laughs) you're doing it. So, so anyway, so, uh, we started the Academy of golf there and because of the facility and the staff that I had, we, uh, we generate a lot of interest in top players. One of the things I did for the, uh, marketing of it is I invited, uh, all of the best players in town to, to be members at our Academy for free. So the city amateur champion, city junior champion, city senior ladies, etc. And then of course, Tom Kite was uh, there. Ben Crenshaw mm-hmm. was there. Bob Estes was going to college there. And we, we allowed the university of Texas golf team uh, to practice out there. And so they had, you know, all their players, Mark Brooks, Brandel Chambly, you know, guys from that era as well. And uh, they came out and took lessons. And then we started doing golf schools from there uh, and got Phil Rogers. Uh, it was a Jack Nicholas facility. And uh, Jack wanted to have teaching centers at several of his places. And so his teacher was Phil Rogers. And so Phil came, uh, came, we started doing schools together. And uh, so Phil and I, um, uh, would do these, would do these golf schools with our, uh, our experts. And so we'd have one school devoted to fit golf fitness, or we'd have another mm-hmm. school devoted to, devoted to psychology and others, et cetera. And so, uh, <clears throat> that, and then, um, uh, we had, uh, Nicholas wanted to do one at Grand Cypress. So we went out there and, and uh, designed the Academy of Golf at Grand Cypress. Wow. And, uh, so we had the same, same format, three practice holes. Uh, then we moved Ralph there, uh, Ralph Mann there as a permanent, uh, as, a, as a permanent site for him, uh, so that he could have his CompuSport, uh, Academy there as part of it. And so we, that was a, that was a big jump in my life as far as, as learning. And then also for uh, notoriety, I just, yeah. we were having a lot of success teaching guys, you know, Tom Kite, you know, won the money title in 1981 working with us and stuff like that. So, so uh, I'm, I'm curious, Chuck, in, in that kind of, Part of your career and those moments, you guys are clearly one of the first people to be bringing in fitness and, and looking at the body, obviously you brought in, you know, Alvar Mills, one of the, I would call the godfathers of golf fitness at this point, you know, what, you know, how, what was your guys process of, you know, obviously you said flexibility was, you know, sounds like kind of top of the pyramid in terms of importance. And that's, you know, through all of our research and, you know, 10,000 plus golfers you know, at the end of the day, we, have concluded if, if you can't rotate, you know, really nothing else matters. <laughs> yeah. You're going to, you're going to have some, uh, some roadblocks to get around. Yeah. How did that, how did you guys go about like con- continuing to develop that and pushing the envelope there? Cause you guys were, you know, literally, you know, two decades ahead of the curve there. That's so well, yeah. What happened was, uh, it was later, later after, uh, later on, um, Tom Kite decided, well, he's going to work out. And so what we did in our schools, were Al would do an assessment and then assign exercises for the students. Mm-hmm. Okay. So typical procedure, I think. And then 
So Kite wanted to get into it. It's funny, Kite was, uh, I had Kite work with Al and I had Payne Stewart work with Al. Mm-hmm. And uh, Payne Stewart is this marvelous athlete. You know, he could do anything. And then Tom, yeah. was, Tom was sort of an awkward uh, athlete, yeah. but he was a hard worker, you yeah. know. So at, we were doing, Al was doing some uh, uh, sit-up uh, med ball chest passes against a the wall. They had his feet on the wall, and he was doing mm-hmm. these uh you know, these, uh, plyo chest passes with an oof ball, you know, medicine ball. Yeah. And, uh, he couldn't catch it. <laughs> and so he, he'd fire this ball in there and, and then he'd drop it and then he'd have to That's pick funny. it up. He, he was losing the plyo effect <laughs> trying to get the quick response uh, with, with him doing, it. but he, uh, what happened was Tom, one off on his own to work at, you know, before mm-hmm. we, we put him uh, with Al and he, he did whatever anybody did back then. Nobody, there were, nobody was doing it in golf, but he just went to the, to a gym and started doing endurance exercises, you know, treadmill, hanging on machines, this, that, and the other, he could start hitting it shorter and shorter and getting hurt. You know, he was having tendonitis and places yeah. he'd never had before, you know? And so I said, well, something's wrong. Yeah. So I went up to uh, the Olympic Training Center in Colorado Springs, and uh, they put me with a guy named Udo Neumann. And Udo had worked with the East German School. Mm-hmm. And so I told him, I said, yeah, I said, uh, um, I've got a guy that's training for golf. And I said, he's whatever he's doing is not right because he's hitting it shorter and shorter and he's getting hurt. And he said, well, what's he doing? And I said, well, he's doing a lot of endurance training. Well, he said, that's why he's shorter and shorter. He's telling his body <laughs> period of time. Golf is not uh, like that. And then he said, and, and uh, I said, then he's doing the machine circuit. And he said, well, that's why he's injured. He said, yeah. he, he, machines and his stabilizers are not being strengthened with his uh, primary muscle groups and so they're overpowering it and causing him to get to get hurt and you, and you saw that a lot with uh, david duvall you know years later yeah duvall did exactly the same thing you know a lot of training and then uh, a lot of you know heavy weights on machines and stuff like that he got hurt and slow so opened my eyes to that and I, I said well, it's really important for me to understand you know what is good golf fitness uh, so that i could tell whether or not my students are if they're doing a fitness program is it good for golf and so yeah. uh al in and uh he said oh so you're ready to listen to me now we can quit doing those those uh wadding the newspaper up in your hand <laughs> yeah, we're doing that now uh and Udo had told me that uh, he said there are three types of, of fitness, uh, three types of training. And he said one is endurance training. And he, you know, talked about that. Um, and he said it's good for your heart and good for things like that. But it's not good for explosive sport. And then there's power endurance where you like basketball players where they have spurts of, of, of quick response movements and then they'll slow walk the ball up the floor. They'll go slow and 
uh, like that. And he said, and then there's power. He says, where you're trying to do everything in, a, in less than a second. Uh, and he said, that's what golf is. Golf's 100% a power sport. They should be trained. So we brought Al in. And Al, of course, agreed with it. You know, he was the godfather of power. and uh, He was probably salivating, I would imagine, at this moment. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you, know, you know how he is. Yeah, and, uh, he was, you know, he was in, he was ready. And uh, so he explained the way he explained it to me. And I'll tell this for your people listening, but he said, it's like a pyramid. He said, on the bottom of the pyramid, you have endurance training, but it's not aerobic endurance. It's anaerobic endurance where yep. you're trying to uh, build your endurance up so that you can practice for a long time. Uh, not run for a long time or jog for a long time or anything like that. And he said, uh, and then the second uh, foundation in the pyramid is mobility. And uh, so that's obviously the flexibility. And then the third one is uh, stability. Mm -hmm. So you have those three at the bottom of the pyramid. Uh, and you should train from the bottom up. And he said, uh, the next plateau for the pyramid was strength and strength. Um, and, and he said that in, in golf, you train your speed uh, a lot. They said you don't have mega strong, uh, but you've got to be strong. Right. And, and uh, then that equals the top of the pyramid, which was power. So if you have all of those things, then you can. And so we had, uh, so we started training people that way uh and we had a had a facility here in austin uh that uh was owned by todd wright and todd was the strength coach for the 76ers and i think now he's a vp of basketball operations for another firm but he owns this facility and he he trained with al he, he had done some training with al and so they really understood what it uh you know what good golf fitness training was and uh so we started sending them, uh, do that that part of it we outsourced mm -hmm. our fitness part of it but uh but the, but we knew we knew they knew what they were doing and it, it helped we got you know we've got i don't know how many golf golfers ever in austin worked out there so and that's what's amazing to me chuck is fast forward you know 40 years basically <laughs> and so much of i mean the the principles haven't changed but just the length of time that it has taken people to actually adopt that and like truly understand you know, that those are the things that matter. And I think, you know, the research that we've done, we've attempted to basically put numbers to those and say, hey, you know, in thinking of the pyramid, you know, and the, let's say flexibility, you know, what are the flexibility areas that actually matter? And based on your age and the speed that you're trying to get to, how flexible do you need to be to prevent injury, right? And so we've been able to do that. And the, you know, the strength numbers, how strong is strong enough? You know, eventually there is some point where, you know, lifting more weight isn't going to help you. <laughs> <laughs> the, the point of diminishing returns. Um, and then, you know, at the top of the pyramid, you know, obviously the power side and the direct relationship to club head speed and understanding, you know, Hey, there's really 
two basic power tests that actually can predict from a causational standpoint how fast somebody you know could potentially swing assuming mechanics and all those all those things are you know in order and and then being able to then do that safely it's just it's so cool hearing about the genesis of what you and, and your team did you know with al and, and everybody there and how far ahead of you were and it took 40 years for you know for us to like catch up basically and, and get to that point is uh yeah and in a way i feel like i feel like i you know myself and the entire industry owe you a, a big thank you for, for for pushing the envelope so early witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as infinity presents a new chapter in luxury the premiere of the all-new 2025 infinity qx80 join us march 20th live from the edge at hudson yards in new york city Featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. The following ad is sponsored by Pets Best Insurance Services. Pets come into our lives in many ways. Shelters, breeders, or unexpected encounters. But no matter how you found your pet, they become our perfect match. Unfortunately, finding the right pet insurance plan can be hard. That's where Pets Best comes in. With a little information about you and your pet, Pets Best will recommend a plan that meets your needs and budget. Visit PetsBest.com to learn more today. Your perfect pet deserves the perfect coverage. PetsBest.com. With AT&T in-car Wi-Fi, stay connected wherever you go and transform your vehicle into a dependable Wi-Fi hotspot. Powering applications like real-time GPS and voice assistant, navigation becomes a breeze. Even on the practice field, AT&T in-car Wi-Fi keeps you connected while in proximity of your vehicle. Work, stream shows, or finish homework without missing a beat. See if you're eligible for a free trial at att.com slash in-car Wi-Fi. Don't let connectivity be a roadblock in your journey. Always pay careful attention to the road and don't get distracted. Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use when vehicle is in operation. Compatible device and vehicle required. Well, we, you know, it was, uh, for me, it was, it was a big part of, of my instruction, you know, is that, you know, you would, you, and basically I still do the same process. I teach them, uh, and if they can, if they can do what I want them to do, I don't worry about it. But if they're trying as hard as they can and they can't do it, then I'll, I'll know they have some restrictions or misconceptions or something somewhere that's holding them back. And then we'll uh, send them over, uh, reduced or taken care of. And so it's a uh, it's it's a huge part, and uh, and I I like to see some of the stuff. I like the stack uh, yep. and speed sticks. You know, uh, Al talked a lot about overspeed training. You know, and uh, and it's it's fun to see some of the that has. I work with the, the guy Dylan for telling and Dylan pick uh, anybody uh, in one year picked up thirds on average uh, to three thirty, and so um, 
he uh, and he did it. I mean, he was fitness junkie. One of the things was his intention was never swing hard, but yeah. <laughs> he tried to smooth it out there. But he he he, he changes uh, his mind once he saw the advantages. In fact, what the genesis was, he qualified for the for the master. Wow. And I told him, I said, you know, Dylan, you can you can uh, play Augusta. Distance is a big, big, big deal. And right. so we started. On he had a he had this guy that he worked with, and uh, and then we worked a lot with speed sticks and did that, and then we worked a lot with uh, the reaction forces on. Catalyst uh, got him left a lot sooner, in yep. his so he could push up, and uh, I mean, all of a sudden he could hit it long. I mean, he went from one eleven average <clears throat> uh, club head speed to he could easily get to one thirty, uh, and it was crazy how much how much that helped him. So he went to Augusta, finished eighth. He, he could fly it over the bunk, fly it over the bunker on two. Uh, drive the green on three, fly it over the bunker on eight. You know, I mean, it was huge. It was just ridiculous yeah. how much how much difference that made. Well, and I think you know what what I'm curious about you know, as you've seen the obviously there's been lots of discussion and distance you know in in, in the news right ball rollbacks and all those sorts of things. You know, through your career and obviously being early on the fitness front and the speed training front, you know, just based on team you built and, and the experience levels, I mean, how much of the distance changes that we've seen in your opinion are fitness related versus equipment versus technique? You know, I mean, it, you know, how much of that is influenced from each of those arenas? Do you think? Well, I, I, I don't know. Um, but I, I know each, each one of those segments you mentioned had their their part. Obviously, the happened was the equipment allowed people to swing faster mm -hmm. and, and not lose their ball. So in in two thousand, when the ball changed, everybody that grew up in that era, uh, the Jordan Spees and the Justin Thomases and those guys, you know, they had the ball that wouldn't curve. And so that made the equipment manufacturers build longer and lighter and bigger MOI golf clubs so that they could swing harder and not lose their ball. And uh, so now that they can swing harder and not lose their ball, uh, okay, what can I do to swing harder? Well, I, right. need, to, I need to get faster and, and fitter and stronger and more flexible. And, you know, it led, it led a lot. Uh, that that ball change in 2000 led to a lot of, of, of changes in golf. Uh, some of the teachers that were teaching, you know, positional things that would produce good accuracy, but not speed, you know, just out on their constituency because yeah. of the fact that you didn't, didn't teach speed. Yeah. So, but I think that's the genesis of the whole thing was when that ball change Remember tiger in 2001 at pebble with that, three-piece ball from Nike mm -hmm. and uh, yeah, that, you know, if you look at, if you see a pretty swing now, it's old school. <laughs> yeah, that is true. <laughs> there aren't any pretty schools going right now. That's for sure. 
pretty pretty swings going right now. That's awesome. So you know, as as you look at your career, Chuck, you know, is there an element of it that you're the most proud of? Whether it's a student, um, you know, a personal accomplishment, a you know, building a team accomplishment, like as you look back at you know the mark you're leaving on the game, kind of what it, where, where would you kind of gravitate towards when you think of you know maybe one or, or two things that you're kind of the, the most proud of or, or yeah, you know, I think a lot of people can end up seeing the result, but nobody sees all the blood, sweat, and tears. And you know, it's something that maybe you put a lot of effort into, or you know, where where, do, where does your mind gravitate when you think back on that? Well, you know, it's 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 funny while it's going on, and it's still going on to a certain degree, although uh, I pull back quite a bit. But still, while it's going on, you don't ever think about that part. Yeah. Blog talk to me. Yeah, you remember when? you know, the era of uh, the 1990s, you know, you had guys dominate the U.S. Open and all that sort of stuff. And you go, oh, yeah, that, that was cool. And then, but this other person right here is, you know, coming over the top. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I can't worry about that anymore. That's yeah. already been happening over. So I'm not sure. You know, I'm 79. You think I ought to be looking back on, on that sort of stuff and thinking back of it, but I really don't much, you know, and I, I, uh, I'm always uh, what's next. And, uh, and I'm still interested, you know, I'll go to the PGA show and go to the open forum and go to, I think I'm going to try to go to Dana Dock with certification program. So I'm, I'm still learning, uh, trying to learn as I go along and apply it to what I'm doing with my students. And so, uh, I guess if, 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 if I'm proud of anything, it is proud that I've, I've, I've been student centric and kept their, their best interest in mind, uh, throughout this whole journey. Sure. So, and, you know, speaking of, you know, the future, you know, where does, um, you know, where, where does your mind go when you're thinking of, you know, the next, next evolution of teaching or the next, you know, is there something that you know, you're working on or, 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 you know, people that you're following, you know, where does you obviously have a, an amazing mind and, you know, have been a innovator for, you know, 30 plus 40 years. I mean, where, where does that innovative mind, where is that now? Well, I think a lot of, uh, uh, a lot of the changes that are going to happen are going to, revolve around AI. Uh, mm -hmm. uh, was, it's all we're already seeing it with sports box and some of these other things that are uh, that in years to, to come will be looked back as primitive uh, AI platforms. But uh, but I think what's going to happen is because of that, uh, I think by developing through AI, we're going to get to the point where we don't have any about people's golf swings. Uh, you know, we can say, okay, you know, we see uh, certain numbers uh, over certain things. So that means this or that, and it, it'll be, it gives us a direction to go be very succinct. And I think what's going to happen is that uh, we're going to be, getting a, a lot more cause and effect uh, positional things, but not only position, but movement things as well. 
this is why they're they're blocking it to the right. This is why uh, this is why they're uh, you know hitting it thin or whatever it may be. And I think that what's going to happen is uh, those things will be easily diagnosed. And I think that once that happens, then there's going to be a big influx of, of how to correct them. Uh, and so you're going to have drills and exercises. Uh, you're going to say, okay, this is a fitness issue. This is a equipment issue. This is whatever it is. But I think a lot of that's going to make it so that it's, it's going to be a heck of a lot more efficient and, uh, and even less dependent on, uh, on theory and more dependent on facts. I couldn't disagree with you whatsoever. And I think that's one of the honestly exciting things for me um, in the fitness space and knowing all the data and stuff we have is I feel like we're there on the fitness side where it's like, you know, if, if a, then B, and, you know, I would, you know, I think as we, I've seen some of the early AI stuff that's coming out and, you know, really the, I think the next state, I think you're totally correct in how primitive it'll be looked back on uh, right now. It's really cool, <laughs> but, um, you know, building the bridges between the biomechanics to the technical, to the equipment side of things and, and identifying, you know, what's influencing what, right. Is a move happening because there's a physical limitation? Is it because, there's an equipment issue and the person is just trying to manipulate the equipment, you know, is it because they just have no idea what, what, what position they should be in? Um, and to me, that's, you know, when you talk about efficiency and how quickly can we get to the diagnosis um, to me, that's, that's really exciting for, for golf as a whole. You know, we, uh, there's lots of talk about growing the game. I mean, just think if we could expedite how quickly a golfer starts shooting better scores and, you know, that ultimately, increases the fun meter, generally speaking, <laughs> um, you know, that's yeah, nothing but good for the game. Sure. And I think that, uh, I think that'll be passed down to not just the top instructors, but I, I think just like launch monitors have done and so forth, it is down to all instructors, you know, that are trying to do it. I think that information will be, you know, a lot more readily available so that there'll be more people enjoying playing golf. So, I think when I think also it, uh, it will delve into the psychology part of it as well. Um, mm -hmm. I think that, uh, there's a lot in there that, uh, that, you know, it, it's funny. You think you go back and you think of just like I was saying with golf, we don't want to be, you know, back in the old days, we don't want to be hard. Uh, sorry about that. No worries. Okay. So anyway, best I can do. Uh, but I think that uh, a lot of uh, everything has sort of had its place, you know, where it was. Uh, Hello. Please leave a message after the tone. It was golf, uh, golf instruction. You know, the pro would teach what he did, and mm -hmm. right. uh, in the in fitness was okay. Well, we don't want to be hard and da da da. da. So that's all that's progressed. So the instruction has gotten uh, a heck of a lot more scientific than it was. Fitness is a lot more scientific, but I think still you see in psychology, I think you still see 
the same thing. I, I don't see anything different in the psychology that I saw in 1980, you know, when I was working with Dick Coop. Right. Uh, and I, I don't know whether there's good, there's going to be a resurgence of that and, and how to think or how to access the, you know, optimal flow state and st stuff like that, you know? So I, I don't know. This is just, I'm just, uh, just thinking, off the charts here a little bit but yeah for sure no and i i, I would agree with you and um I, I i didn't realize you and you and dick had worked together and uh there's actually a played a course here in raleigh um where he actually has a hill on a tee box named after him if uh <laughs> it's a tee box uh a elevated tee box and he was there with a working with one of the players here from i think it was one of the local college kids unc or, or duke i think it was unc and uh, he's talking to the to the player before he tees off on the 13th hole. And he uh, and if you can picture this tee box, Chuck, it's it's elevated and you know, right off the back. It's probably like a 20 foot pretty much just drop to the to the woods. <laughs> and so he's, he's talking to the uh, you know, to the player, talking him through the pre-shot routine. And he says, all right, go ahead. And he steps back, forgetting oh. that, that forgetting that the tee box ended. And he, so he proceeded to roll to the bottom of the hill. He luckily, thankfully he was okay, but for, it is now officially, it is known as, uh, as, as Coop's Hill. Um, <laughs> <laughs> right. He didn't tell me that story. So <laughs> I'm glad to know that one. Yeah. But, uh, but Chuck, I, I, I want to thank you so much for the time today. Um, uh, thank you so much for sharing just your wisdom experience and, you know, I, selfishly it's been, um, really cool for me just to hear the genesis of, of a, you know, an area of golf that's given me uh, more than I probably deserved um, and just has really given me the allowed me to to do what I love every day within the game of golf. And, um, you know, I think for any everyone here at P4S Golf, we all thank you and your team and, and Al, you know, everybody that that did the early, early work. And, um, you know, I think hey, hopefully we'll get to chat, chat a little bit more. But um for anybody that wants to follow you or, or connect with you, um, what, what is the best place for them to do that, Chuck? Oh, I don't know. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I've got a website. I think it's chuckcookgolf.com. I'm not sure, but. Uh, Perfect. Well, we could certainly put that in the show notes for if people want to go check, check it out and, and learn a little bit more I from it. But uh, yeah, people always say, well, you need to, you need to, update your website is terrible. And I said, well, uh, why? And they said, so you can get more business. I said, I don't want any more business. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Oh, okay. So, but, cool. well, well, Chuck, thank you so much for, for hanging out with us today. Um, it's been an absolute pleasure and I uh, look forward to having you on again sometime soon down the road, I'm sure. Well, I appreciate your time and uh, enjoyed talking with you. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80, live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infinity QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Turns out a delightfully clean home can make for a delightful start to the day. At Mrs. Myers, everything they make is inspired by the garden. 
With plant-derived and other thoughtfully chosen ingredients, their cleaning products smell like a dream and work like the Dickens, leaving your home sparkly clean and your to-do list tackled in no time. Goodness, there's no better feeling than that. Mrs. Myers, rooted in goodness. Visit MrsMyers.com today. Farm to store in days, not weeks. That's 80 Acres Farms. Did you know most salads travel over 2,000 miles to reach your plate? But not 80 Acres Farms. Their crisp salad greens and herbs are food less traveled. They stay fresher for longer in your fridge. My salad lasts all week long, which means less food waste and easy meal planning. Oh, and did I mention there's zero need to wash these greens? Because 80 Acres Farms uses zero pesticides. Visit 80acresfarms.com to learn more and find their salads and salad kits at your local Harris Teeter. What's up, y'all? Janice Torres here. And I'm Austin Hankwitz. We're the hosts of Mind the Business, Small Business Success Stories, a podcast presented by iHeartRadio's Ruby Studios and Intuit QuickBooks. Join us as we speak with small business owners about the tools they use to turn their ideas into success. From finding that initial spark of entrepreneurship to organizing payments and invoices, we've got you covered. So follow and listen to Mind the Business, Small Business Success Stories on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts.